Well, if you have your Bibles, if you can, take them and turn to me at 1 Corinthians. Good evening. I just wanted to make sure I've jumped up here before too early and had to sit back down because someone else was getting up one time, and so I didn't want to do that again. Um, but at this time, we'll dismiss Children's Church. For the rest of us, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. pastor asked me this week if I wouldn't mind speaking tonight, and um, I appreciate the opportunity, and I said, well, we'll go over what we've been going over in our Sunday school class, and um, we are studying right now uh, 1 Corinthians, and we have began in chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, um, we're in chapter 4 this week and next week, and so we're just going chapter by chapter, verse by verse, looking at what 1 Corinthians holds for us. Um, in our youth group, we're going through the book of Acts currently, and so we're looking at, uh, again, chapter by chapter, and just going right through the book of Acts. Um, and uh, in high school, we are teaching a Pastor Peterson's book, uh, Firm Foundation. And it's interesting how where we are in Acts, where we are in Pastor Peterson's booklet, and where I am in 1 Corinthians really all ties together. Um, you know, the Bible does not contradict itself. It only adds to it. And so it's just been a great study, and um, hopefully tonight we can uh, get something out of this. And um, I was talking to someone before the message, and they said, oh, 1 Corinthians, that's my favorite book. And they're like, luckily, you know, it's written to a carnal church, and I'm glad we don't have that kind of a church. And I just thought, you know what? Anytime you have people, you might have a carnal church. Um, it's easy to step into it. And so just looking at 1 Corinthians, and um, we're really going to look at the whole chapter tonight. But the very first thing I want us to look at is verse 16 of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Before we go any further, I'd like to start off and just ask the Lord to bless us tonight, and then uh, we're going to jump right in. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this evening. Thank you, Lord, that we can come to your house freely and worship you freely, Lord, in spirit and in truth. And God, I pray that you would just help me tonight as I preach your word, and Lord, just to have what you would say, and Lord, just shut my mouth whenever I should. And Lord, we just give you all the praise and glory tonight. In your name we pray. Amen. So the very first verse here, or middle verse, verse 16, Know ye not, ye are the temple of God. One other translation is, of that is, do you not know? Do you not know? You know, I can only imagine when Paul's writing this, we just stepped into chapter 4, and, and Paul gets a little sarcastic there at the end of chapter 4 of 1 Corinthians. He's like, they want them to, he, Paul was already there, he's left, Paul wrote to the church of Corinth, um, it's, it's always good before you jump into any book of the Bible to know who is writing it, to whom it's written to. Um, and Paul usually does that really well. Um, he starts off letting us know who wrote it, uh, to whom it is written to, and then he adds a greeting in there, and then a thanksgiving uh, to kind of start, start off this letter. And all of this is one letter, even though it's divided by chapters and verse divisions. It's all one letter, and it, that's how it really should be read as one whole entire letter. But we don't have time tonight for that, um, and so we won't, we, we're just looking at this chapter, but 
Paul, Paul really, again, at the end of chapter 4, he's already sarcastic with him. And he's like, I can either come to you with a rod or in love and meekness. You know, they're wanting, they're desiring Paul to come back and try to help them clean up their church. And he's like, I can come to you in one of two ways. Love and meekness or with a rod. Um, and and the, really, the choice is yours. And, and here in verse 16, I, I wonder what kind of tone this was written in. I wonder what kind of tone, if Paul were to read this to the church of Corinth, would it be with sorrow? Would it be with frustration? Do you not know, is what he's saying? Or is he, do you not know? Or do you not know? Like, what kind of emphasis is really placed in this letter? That ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. I can't help but think maybe it's a little bit of frustration. Paul was already there. Paul had helped them. He wrote them these letters. He's encouraging them. Apollos was there. Cephas was there. There are already people that had been there before, and they just simply have neglected some of those teachings. And Paul says, I have so much I want to write to you, and yet you're just not ready yet. There's so much I want to tell you. There's so much, but you're just not ready. Acts 1.6 tells us a story as well. For example, Jesus' disciples came to him after his resurrection, before he was taken up into heaven and In Acts 1, verse 6, it says, When they were therefore come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he saith unto them, It is not for you to know the time or the season which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. They weren't sure what was going to happen. God kind of gives them something. Hey, there's, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and then it was just wait. You're not ready yet. Just wait. Be patient. Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us to, and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. Some things are not given for us to know right away. They're revealed, they're secret things that belong unto the Lord our God. And yet God desires for us that we might know and obey Him. But you know what? In the church of Corinth, sin stopped up our ears, the ears, and covered up their eyes so that they did not know what God was going to do for them. What God truly wanted them to know. And because of their sin, and because of this carnal Christians that we see that were happening in Corinth, that was taking place, they were not able to accept and to hear all of the truth. You know, it it starts off, he talks about in 1 Corinthians 1, he's referring to my brethren, almost as individuals, but here we kind of get a big taste of what he's really talking to. It is the church, the body of Christ. Brethren, brothers and sisters in Christ. Not speaking necessarily to individuals, but to the body of the church at Corinth. The text presents itself in four divisions. And 
the four divisions are they did not know how to be godly people. They did not know how God's church is served. They did not know how God's church is built. They did not know that God's spirit dwells in them. We're just going to start off with the first one there, though, gentlemen. All right? I know I revealed to you all of it. There you are, okay? We're going to just go little by little. But just in those first four verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as spiritual, but as carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Brethren, brothers. Again, they are part of the family. This is the idea that we get carnal Christians from. There are such things as that. Christians who have people who are saved, but not living as though they are Christ-like. They're carnal Christians. And Paul addresses it to them. I could not speak unto you as unto spiritual. You know, it is though it is fun to see babies. And it's fun to, as a parent to let your children experience things for the very first time. And if you have grandparents, then they get to give them the sugar for the first time and the ice cream for the first time and the cake for the first time. And they get to experience those things. And it is fun to watch your child's eyes light up. For the very first time, they're having cake or ice cream or soda, and you're just like, ah, you know, but hey, it is, they love it. And it is awesome to see Christians, people get saved, and how it light up, how much they are lit up for the Lord, how excited they are. But it's not always fun to see them 10 years down the road acting the exact same way. Not maturing, not growing in their faith. Becoming babes in Christ. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 1 again. Looking there. Now he's addressing only one group. The saved, the church. Spiritual people and fleshly people. Carnal and spiritual Christians. The fleshly saints and the infants in Christ. They say, feed me. Play with me, clean me, put me to bed, right? That's what, our, that's what little children say. They're hungry, you, you know about it. And the sad thing is, though, how many people still come to church saying, feed me, play with me, do the things that I want. Put me to bed, so to speak. Let me rest, help me, teach me. One thing I challenge our teenagers is, with all the amount of social media that's out there and all the, the, the amount of videos that are out there and all the technology that we have, how much time are they really growing in the nurture and the admonition of our Lord? How much time are they actually putting forth to listen to messages or to grow in their own personal walk with God? And we say, yeah, that's good. Well, why don't we do the same thing? How easy it is for me even to get caught up in social media, to get caught up in the things of this world, to get caught up in the... And it's not necessarily bad things, but it's just things that are not drawing me closer to God. Where I could be learning more about God and His Word. I could be studying a little bit more. Getting to know my Lord and Savior on a more personal level. The Church of Corinth was kind of doing the same thing. Verse 2, I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet are ye now able. You know, our children, when they were growing up, 
Amber always wakes up with a hot cup of coffee. And I remember our children would always want coffee. Garrett and Emma, they'd ask for it. And I remember Amber would make hot, hot um, like milk, like ch- chocolate milk. And we'd put it in the microwave and heat up a little bit. And they would drink that hot ch- chocolate milk. And they just thought they were big kids. But in real life, they couldn't handle that. They couldn't handle real coffee, nor could we, you know, as parents. <laughs> but there's just some things that they couldn't handle at that time. And as new babes in Christ, there are things that people can't handle right away. It's a growth process. It's a process in which it takes time. And it's different for individuals. And we're going to talk more about that in a little while. But he says, you're not ready yet. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 3, For ye are not, ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? The problem was not with their appetite. They're arguing about, hey, who's better? Paul, Apollos, Cephas, who's, who's greater? It wasn't that they were arguing about the wrong kind of things. It's just necessarily that they were arguing at all. That's what the problem was. There was division between them. The problem is with their behavior. They were behaving as sinners. They were behaving in a way that is no different from the outside world. There was jealousy, strife, envy. The divisions in the church of God. Even though they weren't big, they were still there. You know, I wonder, does it matter if 75% of the church is spiritual and godly, is unified, and maybe only 25% of the church is carnal? Does that really matter? I mean, but what about, what if... 95% of the church is spiritual. And there's only 5% that are carnal, that are envying and strife. How does that really affect the body? What if, if, hypothetically, 99% of the church was spiritual and only 1% was carnal? What does that look like? I mean, hey, we would say, you know what? If, if 75% of the church is spiritual and leading, then that's a, pretty, that's a pretty good number there. 75% of the church, spiritual, growing. And only 25 are carnal and envying strife. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 1 verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. What was Paul's desire through the inspiration of God? What was his desire for the church of Corinth? 1 Corinthians 1, verse 10, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no division among you, but that ye be perfectly joint together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Is Christ divided? You know, the Bible doesn't have room for strife and envy among Christians. The church shouldn't have strife and envy among themselves. As Christians, there are things in which we should possess as we walk in the Spirit. Love, joy, patience, temperance, meekness, faith. And yet, it's not just an action word. Or it is an action word, but it's not just by our actions. It's also by our words. 
So much is spoken about our mouths and the power that our tongue holds, life and death in it, that it's like a sword. That most of the problems that we face, especially in America, is simply by what is said or what is typed and what is read, so to speak. And how much strife and division is caused by this right here. Unable to control it. Our tongue. And this is what is taking place. You know, it wasn't... For Paul, for what was taking place in the church of Corinth, this is what we see is taking place with certain institutions, with people saying, well, we go over here, and we do this over here, and look at us over here, and this is what we do over here, and and we go to this church, and we go to that church, and I went to this college, and I remember going to Bible college, and people are like, there's like strife, even amongst other, you know, rivalries, like, oh, it's a healthy rivalry. No, it's not. Different Bible college, and they're like, oh, it's a healthy rivalry against this college and this college. It's like, really, it's, it's, it's not. It's not healthy. It creates division among the entire body of Jesus Christ. Satan loves for Christians to argue amongst other Christians. For what is taking place here, for 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 4, for while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? You know, there was a thing that talked about a bracelet that I wore in high school, and they're coming back around. It's WWJD. What would Justin do? No, uh, what would Jesus do? And, um, and so they're coming back around, and I see teenagers wearing it. And it's, it's interesting because when they really understand what that means, it's what would Jesus do? Not what would their church do? Not what would their pastor do? Not what would their youth pastor do? Not what would their parents do? What would Jesus do? In any situation. What would Jesus do? And here in the church of Corinth, we see that the thing in which they were being carnal about was arguing about who and which apostle they were following. I'm of Apollos, and I'm of Paul. I'm of the church of Paul, and I'm of the church of Apollos. And I go to the University of Apollos, and I go to the University of Paul. And he's saying, who cares? Are you not one body? They're both teaching the same thing in in just a little bit different ways. What is carnal? Again, what is that carnal? Jealous, envy, strife, wrath, backbiting, gossip. That is what a carnal Christian does. That is what a carnal person does. And what are the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, meekness, temperance, faith. How are our words towards one another? Are we encouraging them? Are we constantly comparing ourselves to one another and the body of Christ? The second one they did not know how God's church is served. 1 Corinthians 3, 5. Who then is Paul and who is Apollos? But ministers, by whom ye believe, even as the Lord gave to every man. This word servants or ministers means deacons or saints. 
What's interesting is in chapter 4 of 1 Corinthians, you don't have to turn there, but Paul calls himself again a servant, and this time it means one who is the lowest of all slaves. This is how he refers to himself throughout the scriptures. Meaning this, both him and Apollos were simply just servants. And here we are arguing about who was better, who did more, who, who, who did people like the most? And they missed the one who matters the most. They did what the, Lord's, the Lord bid them to do. They didn't place the emphasis on themselves, but the emphasis was placed on the Master, their Lord Jesus Christ. This is the Lord's work and the Lord's doing. In verse 6, the apostle says, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So who gave the growth? Ultimately, God gave the growth. Paul planted. Who gave the growth? God gave the growth. Apollos watered, and who gave the growth? God gave the growth. All we can do as servants of God is plant the seed and water it, and that's all. It's based upon... God giving the increase. It's always been about God. It's never been about one man. It's always been about, or I guess it has been, the Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ, that one man. God in the flesh. And yet how easy it is for us to look upon that which we can see instead of the one in which we cannot see. Here, the Corinthians were were forming committees around the planters and the waters. One writer says, I follow the planter, I follow the water. And how sad that is when we just simply follow Christ. 1 Corinthians 3, 7 and 8, So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither is he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase, Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. 1 Corinthians 3, 9. For we are labors together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. This is how God's church is served. Not by men making much of themselves. God's church is served by men who make much of God. The emphasis is placed on each of these phrases is God. In the first chapter of 1 Corinthians, God and Christ are mentioned the almost the first half of the entire chapter. It's all about God. It's all about Christ, not about Paul, not about Apollos, but that Christ be known. God is the builder. When we make the church about us or anything other than Christ, we miss the mark and it will be ruined. They did not know how to be godly people. They didn't know how to simply have their faith and trust in God. They didn't know how God's church is served. Letter, or number three, they didn't know how God's church is built. It's built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. Verse 10 and 11 talks about that. Each one of us must build carefully. We are builders. We are to build our lives upon Christ. 
1 Corinthians 3.11, For other foundations can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. It's interesting because when we deal with teenagers, it's easy to tell them, hey, don't run. You know, you're running your own race. You're running your own race of life. And you do what you are called to do by God. You follow God and you run at your own pace. And they constantly compare themselves, though, to other people. They constantly, within the youth group, they're constantly comparing themselves and saying, but, he, but they, just, they do it so much better. What am I missing? I'm like, are you, are you spending time in the, Lord, with the Word in the morning? Are you spending time with the Lord? In the, and, you know, how much time are you giving to God? And, I mean, they'll tell me, hey, I'm, I'm doing it three times a day. I'm doing it for 10, 15 minutes a day. Okay. How, how's it going with encouraging others and finding people to help? And, and how many times are you waiting? Like, I'm just asking them these, these kind of just generic questions. I'm like, yeah, but look at them over there. Stop. Stop comparing yourself one to another. Run your own race. And we tell teenagers that, but then even amongst our adults and our church, how easy it is to look at others and think, man, what, what, what's going on? Or, or, come on, come on, come on, catch up with me, right? Here I am, and they're not, they're not growing as fast as I am. They're not building as quickly as I'd like them to. And as a youth pastor, how difficult that is for me to say, shut your mouth, Justin, and let them grow in their own time. It's not my job to just hoist them up here and say, here you go, here, let me help you grow. There you go. It's my job to show patience. And one of the greatest things that I've learned to do that with is my own children. Once you become a parent, you realize you can't make them grow faster than they just mentally can handle it. They just grow at their own pace. And each one is different. Some catch on quicker than others. And we only have two. And so to think about how big the family of Christ is, the family of God, and to realize that it's not our job just to grab people and make them grow as fast as we want them to, but to allow the Lord to do His work in their lives. What's so sad to me is, over the years, I've done that. And I've grabbed teenagers and said, here, come on, here, I'll show you what to do. Come on, just, and just do this. And I give them like a formula. And then they graduate and they're like, I don't know what to do with my life, Pastor Bloom. I'm like, well, just listen to the Holy Spirit. Well, what does that sound like? And I've robbed them of allowing the Lord to do a work in their own personal life because I've made it so much of like a formula that now whenever it comes time for them to step out by themselves and to oh, listen to the Holy Spirit speak, what does it sound like? I thought, wow, I missed it. It's that I'm to preach the Word of God and to let the Holy Spirit work in their own individual lives. And that as they strive and as they're building within themselves closer to the Word of God and as they're building through the power of the Holy Spirit and individual soul liberty and individual lives, that God takes His time on each person a little differently and grows them. Not something contrary to His Word, but just maybe grows them a little different. And that's okay. As we strive to run this race and realize that we are all building and that we're our, we are building on the foundation of the Word of God.
Everything we build must point us to the foundation, Jesus Christ and his word. 1 Corinthians 3.12, Now if any man build upon the foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble, verse 13, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by the fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Praise the Lord. You know how many times I've heard this preached in my like growing up phase? As like, you're gonna, hey, God's going to judge your works by fire. You better watch out, right? That's, how it's, that's in my mind, it's always been like that. Watch out. Wake up. And then I read this again, and it's, it's easy because then we say, well, it's not, he's not judging our sin, right? That's already been paid for. He's judging our works. Now, later on in this letter, interesting, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 5. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, we, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsel of the hearts, and then shall every man have the destruction of God. The praise of God, not the wrath of God. God's watching us, and as we grow as individuals, and as we grow in Christ, and as we are building our lives upon the foundation of Christ, as individuals, guess what? We're getting rewards. As a good father, he's watching us. As a loving father, he cares about us, and he knows how to give good gifts. And it's a matter of that he desires, for some reason, the King of kings and the Lord of lords desires to praise us. Because we have grown on this foundation as individuals. And what is the gold, silver, precious stones? What is that? It's so what? We, it's our motives, right? Our wood, hay, and stubble is based upon our motives. So if our motives are for Christ, which one do you think that is? The wood, hay, and stubble or the gold, silver, and precious stones? All right, so if we do it for man, that would be wood, hay, and stubble because we'd really do it for Christ? No. So even as a youth pastor, if I have made teenagers do things for my own because I say, hey, this is how you grow, just pull them right up here, what are they doing it for now? For man. What did I just rob them of? The blessings of God. That they need to build their lives, to teach the Word and to allow the Holy Spirit to work, but oh, the patience that it takes. And as a parent, oh, the patience that it takes, right? To have patience towards our children, but then also to have patience towards our brothers and sisters in Christ. How much patience do we have one with another? How much love, gentleness, temperance, meekness, faith do we have really the fruits of the Spirit towards those around us in our church? Or are we a little bit carnal sometimes? We want things to happen in our timing. We're impatient. 
We desire for it to be a certain way. Verse 14, if any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burnt up, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. They didn't know how to be godly people. They didn't know how God's church is served, and they didn't know how God's church is built. Letter D, they didn't know that God's spirit dwells in them. Verse 16, know you not that ye are the temple of God. Again, there's that verse. Do you not know and that the spirit of God dwelleth in you? Again, it's speaking to the church. So here's this warning. 1 Corinthians 17, if any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Because division, why? Because division destroys. If any among you seek to destroy us as a body, they are destroyed, destroying God's church, which is God's temple. What happens in Acts chapter 5? When there was division, there was lying, division in the church. With Ananias and his wife Sapphira, Remember this couple lied to the apostles. They lied to the church. They lied to God. They tested the Holy Spirit together in their hearts. And what did God do? God struck them down and killed them. A great fear came upon all who heard of it. God will protect his church. It's not up to a man. It's not for one person to protect the church. It's for God to do so. It's his church. He'll build it as he sees fit through individuals coming together to worship God in spirit and in truth. And in conclusion, verses 18 through 23 says this, Let no man deceive himself. If any among you, if any man among you seemeth to be wise in, his, in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. For the wisdom of the world is foolishness with God. For it is written, He taketh the wise and their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise that they are vain. Therefore, let no man glory in men, for all things are yours. Whether Paul or Paulus or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours. And ye are Christ's, and Christ's is God's. All things are yours in Christ. Meaning even spiritual blessings are yours. Even victory is yours. Because you are Christ and Christ is God's. This is who we are. So it says, put to death the sin that is among you. For just as Christ died for sin once and for all and buried it in the grave. Live with the newness of life because of Christ's resurrection. Not the life you once knew but the life you now know as children of God, witnesses of God. We see the judgment return in kingdom and be a builder in the work that God is overseeing, the work of building his church. Jesus said in Matthew 16, verse 18, And I say also unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This is what... God empowers us to do the power of His Holy Spirit. So what do we know? 
after tonight? Are we able to trust God, to trust the Lord in His work and in the lives of ourselves and the lives of others? Or are we dividing over simple differences and preferences? Is there division and envying strife? If so, then we are carnal and not spiritual. Do we know what the church was truly founded upon? Christ and His Word. Do we know what is most important to Christ? What is most important to Christ? Where does Christ really place, God place the emphasis? On His Word. And that we know His Word. Do we not know that division and these things that don't really matter is that Christ cannot be glorified when there's division. And ultimately, it is Christ that gives the increase. Are we able to trust Him? To truly trust Him? To have faith that He can and that He will do abundantly more than we could ever ask or think. And not just in our lives, but in the lives of those around us. How much faith I sometimes lack, even as a youth pastor. To think, I'm going to preach to them, and I need to tell them exactly what it is. And I miss the mark. Because I've done it in my own vainglory. I've done it in the wrong way, and instead of just allowing God to, through the power of the Holy Spirit, to convict and to change lives. I'll leave you with this. One thing in the military that we did... Was I would, we would sit around and we would talk and we would debate and we would constantly for hours with my buddies just debate about the most randomest things, of course. A bunch of guys, 19-year-old guys, 20-year-old guys. And then it became very religious and we started debating about religious things and moral things. And there were times where I would win an argument about something immoral and I'd be able to win an argument with either scripture or statistics. And they said, hey, that's a good point. That's good. And the next weekend, they would go out and do whatever that immoral thing was that we just debated about. And they said, yep, that's right. Yeah, that's probably best that I don't do it, but I'm still going to go do it. That's all it ended up as. I said, something, I'm missing something here. And I finally dawned on me that I may win an argument and I may be able to tell people that this is the better way to live and this is safer and this is easier but I've missed it. Because that's just Justin Bloom words. They need the power of the Holy Spirit to convict them. And then I finally realized after a year of debating, and I said, they just need the gospel. They just need to hear the truth. And several of my buddies ended up getting saved as we were deployed and give glory to God to that. But I saw then, that's how change works. I saw then that they started feeling actually guilty about the things that they were doing. That change was evident in their lives, not because of anything I had said, but because of what God was doing in them. And God gave the increase. All I did was water, maybe planted something, but God gave the increase. Do we have faith to simply trust God and to let God build his church to change people? 
Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this evening. We thank you, Lord, that you are an all-powerful God. Lord, you can turn the hearts of those in leadership like the rivers of water. And Lord, as your children, you can turn our hearts back to you. Lord, this is something that I find very interesting as we like to look at the church of Corinth and think that this was like a, a long time or a process of years of just carnality, but really this was a new church. And Lord, being a carnal Christian can happen any day. And Lord, you tell us that we must die daily to our flesh. Lord, how easy it is for me to wake up some mornings and just be a carnal Christian all day because I didn't spend time in your word, because I'm not walking in the spirit, because I'm not walking after the spirit and the fruits are simply not there. And Lord, how easy it is for us to simply be spiritual and simply carnal. Lord, I pray that you would help us to die daily to our flesh. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to walk in the Spirit. And Lord, I pray that you would just help as we build our lives on your foundation, on the Word of God. And that you will grow us as you see fit. That we would be patient with those around us. And Lord, that you would build your church. And we would give you all the praise and all the glory. In your name we pray. Amen.